Now, it doesn't matter how many times you wear Normatec boots, drink green tea, meditate, or visualize success. If you sleep terribly for long enough, it will significantly impact your training. Welcome to the Waiting Game Podcast, a podcast where I attempt to bring more dialogue into the world of Olympic weightlifting and share my experiences and perspectives in the sport and resistance training in general. It was a perspective I wish was more accessible during my earlier years of training, so here is my attempt to bring that value to those who may be seeking it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Brandon Wakeling, Olympian, multiple-time representative at the Commonwealth Games, and simply a weightlifter that is trying to give back and add more value into the space of Olympic weightlifting, especially in Australia. As one of the, obviously, few people that have been to the Olympic Games, but also had the opportunity to represent multiple times at the Commonwealth Games, a couple World Championships, and several other international competitions, I feel obligated to give back in a sense and fill the void of something that I was searching for earlier in my years of weightlifting. When I was in my earlier few years trying to source information obviously on our best lifters in the country, there wasn't really all that much information available and the only information out there were from other countries that didn't really relate to what I was I was trying to do. So this is my attempt to kind of fill that void of what I was searching for in my younger years. So hopefully people listening get some value out of it. That is my aim here. So for this episode, if you have read the title, I'll be talking on recovery. So this topic is an interesting one for a variety of reasons. Obviously, recovery is an essential part of becoming the best lifter you can be. And there's plenty of great methods out there that will benefit you when it comes to that topic of recovery. I remember going back seven years ago now, I first joined a boutique sports recovery center. So it was only very small. It was attached to a small CrossFit gym, but it had everything available within the sector of recovery at the time. So it had a couple pairs of those compression recovery boots, a hot and cold bath, foam rollers, and then a small area for you to stretch and roll out in. Nowadays, recovery centers come in big industrial warehouses with four different kinds of hot, cold, and magnesium baths, plus plenty more recovery contraptions that you even know what to do with. Whether this is all based off science or similar to looking into a commercial gym these days, it's essentially just a time zone for adults. So what I'll do for this episode is cover all the recovery methods that I've used and still use, what I find essential when it comes to recovery as a weightlifter, and what I feel... I won't use the word gimmick, but what I feel are things that are, I would say, marketed to be more important than they actually are. So reflecting back on my first experiences of taking an in-depth look at my recovery, I didn't really take initiative into trying to maximize my recovery until roughly a year into my weightlifting career. So the recovery center I mentioned earlier that I joined seven years ago was called Lou Ferguson's Recovery Center. And they were having a deal with the weightlifting gym I was training at the time, simply offering cheaper memberships for those that trained at the weightlifting gym. For me, that seemed like a no-brainer, and that was my introduction to taking a serious look at the methods that I was using for my recovery and then implementing some new ones that I haven't used before. 
So my first methods that I started implementing to my recovery at this center was first the introduction to the compression pants. So your Normatec boots are the ones that are more popular these days. So going back then, we didn't use Normatec, but it was something similar of the sort. And also the introduction of using contrast therapy, so your hot and cold baths. Now, do I think that the compression pants helped when it comes to my recovery? I would say they definitely helped in my higher volume phases of training, especially when I was training twice a day. So I found it as a good way to help stimulate blood flow in my legs and increase the rate in which I felt I recovered from the heavier volume sessions. So I would simply just use them in between when I was doing double days. So I'll be using those boots five, six days a week. And after my first session, I'll go go to the recovery center, use the boots from 30 to 45 minutes. And I felt it gave me a bit of a boost to be able to back it up and then train well for that second session. And alongside with that, I would then use contrast therapy at the end of the week to then help recover and get ready for another week of training. So for the contrast therapy, we ended up changing that protocol roughly a year into joining the recovery center to find something a little more fitting to my style of training. So we refrained from using any cold therapy and we purely stuck with hot. And the reasoning we had behind this was, especially in times of my higher volume training, we used the heat to help simulate recovery. So essentially getting the inflammation in and out of the body as quick as we could. And the reason behind not using cold was that we saw that cold therapy was a good way to delay muscular soreness as opposed to actually stimulating recovery. So perhaps if I was, say, on a three-day training camp with the Australian team where I knew I had three days of heavy double-day training, I would use cold therapy or contrast therapy as a way to delay that muscle fatigue. So once I returned home some days later, then all of that soreness would start to kick in. So that change we ended up making going back years ago now was doing purely just a hot bath. It was over 30 degrees and I would just do 10 minutes after my first session. So in between the two sessions, I would do it three to five times a week. I would do 10 minutes in the hot bath to help obviously get that inflammation in and out of the body as quick as I can. And I felt that also helped alongside the boots. These days though, I ended up buying my own infrared sauna and I try to implement that up to three times a week. So I would do between 30 and 45 minutes at 60 degrees. Plus, it's worth noting, outside of aiming to recover for weightlifting specifically, I also just enjoy using the sauna at the end of a long day. So I find it as a good method for me to wind down, and I also enjoy the health benefits that it gives outside of pure recovery for sport. So looking past all the recovery contraptions now, such as the recovery boots and also the use of a sauna, I found that simply stretching and rolling out has been massive for me when it comes to my recovery. So firstly, I've worked with a myotherapist for several years now, and he's assisted in programming my stretching routine for pre-training, post-training, and also non-training days. And it's also worth noting that I see him every fortnight for soft tissue massage for 90 minutes as well, and I've done that for almost seven years now. So stretching, sports massage, and the use of a foam roller has made a big impact on my recovery from my harder training sessions. Plus, it's also enhanced my mobility not only for performance, but also helped when it comes to injury prevention as well. 
And the main areas that I've doubled down on when it comes to stretching are the quads, of course, the hip flexors, and my thoracic. Now, obviously, in weightlifting, our quads copper beating from such quad-dominant movements, and the hip flexors can really tighten up because of it and then place pressure on the lumbar. So for myself personally, I've really tried to double down on having these areas looked after to personally help me cope from the stresses of weightlifting. So this goes from stretching to rolling out to I even drive around with a physio wedge um, on my car seat to open my hips up a little more just so they're not compressed and then placing that extra pressure on my lower back. When it comes to my thoracic, obviously coming from a rugby league background in which I was tackling constantly for over 15 years, starting weightlifting, that limited thoracic range really inhibited my overhead uh, stability and mobility. So for myself, with the use of a foam roller, even a thoracic peanut, occasionally a thoracic wedge. I try to use these things to keep my thoracic as free as I possibly can so I can perform my overhead movements with adequate range. So aside from a roller thoracic wedge and peanut, I also make use of a baseball for my hips and glutes. So lying on my side or against the wall, I simply just dig that into my hips or glutes before the workout and that helps free up my hips a bit and then obviously have better range of motion when it comes to my squatting movements. And I also have a massage gun, which I use on occasion, but I don't use that all that much, to be honest, especially when I already have the use of a roller, baseball, and other um, things like the thoracic peanut and wedge. The massage gun alongside all of that doesn't really add that much extra value. Now, outside of all those shiny things that I just listed, that was definitely important for my recovery personally, but they are just one percenters in comparison to more important ways to recover. And I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about here. Now, one of the biggest factors, if not the biggest factor, when it comes to maximizing your recovery for training is sleep. Now, it doesn't matter how many times you wear Normatec boots, drink green tea, meditate, or visualize success. If you sleep terribly for long enough, it will significantly impact your training. So going back to my earlier years of weightlifting training, I trained with a multiple-time Olympic-level discus thrower plus multiple-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist. And I was taken back when she first mentioned that she had a coach purely for her sleep. So a few tips that I had learnt slash read when it come to trying to maximize my sleep was obviously trying to create a bedtime routine, trying to sleep in a cool, dark room, and also trying to limit the amount of blue light that you absorb into your eyes you know, from a TV or phone screen for the hours leading up to going to bed. Now, obviously, personally, I know I don't get that right every single night, but it's definitely something to aim for. Now, before I move on to the next necessity when it comes to boosting your recovery, I have a quick book suggestion for anyone that's actually interested in the topic of sleep. I feel like most people would know about this book by now, but Matthew Walker has a book called Why We Sleep, and it's a really informative read that touches on the importance of sleep in a variety of everyday life to clinical environments. And as a quote from the book states, practice doesn't make perfect, it's practice followed by a night's sleep that leads to perfection. Now moving on to the next necessity when it comes to maximizing your recovery. I won't touch on this too much as this was the topic for the last podcast episode, but that is your nutrition. So this can't be taken too lightly, hence why I'm bringing it up again. So having enough and the right food choices will obviously lead to better recovery. Firstly, making sure you're consuming adequate protein to recover is a must. 
and making sure you aren't constantly consuming pure rubbish 100% of the time that's going to leave your body feeling malnourished and inflamed, therefore impeding on your recovery and taking away from the value of your training session. Having this in check alongside staying hydrated is essential, so I don't have any scientific figures on hand, but simply if you're dehydrated a little, then your strength will be impeded by a lot. Now, I'm going to digress a little here to finish off with what I mentioned at the start of the episode, and that is the commercialization of the sports recovery industry and how it's taken off in such a huge way in the past half decade or so. It seems that through the use of social media and then other media avenues used to help influence those to then consume within the industry, that people really love talking about the importance of recovery in sport and talk about it being the most important thing and then seem to use obscure recovery tools and machines in excess while forgetting about one important thing. And that one important thing is actually training hard enough and frequent enough to even warrant using all those recovery methods in the first place. So if you're training one session a week, you don't need to hit the magnesium bath down at your local P3 sport recovery clinic. You don't need to put on the recovery pants for an hour and a half after doing a few sets of squats and you don't need to do contrast therapy at your first sign of delayed onset muscle soreness. Now this just might be me ranting and having a bit of an old man yells at cloud moment here, but just make sure you don't forget why you're doing these one percenters in the first place. If you make sure that you sleep enough, you eat well, and you're hydrated, then you can start to look further into how to optimize your recovery. And on that note, I will wrap it up there. So I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. We are now officially up to episode 11, so we are chipping away and working our way towards that 100th episode milestone. Now, I'm thinking of reaching out to guests going into the new year, so if there's anyone in Australian weightlifting, sport, or even the fitness community that you'd love to see on this podcast, reach out and let me know. If I see it would be a good fit, I'll see what I can do. Now, on that note, I'll see you all next week. Have a good one.